Good afternoon. Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast brought to you by the Del Norte County Office of Education and Del Norte County Unified School District. So we are in our first week of school, and so far it's off to a pretty good start. You know, it's been pretty quiet on campuses. We've had a lot of families that have shown up, a lot of new families. And, you know, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting about kicking off this year is after three years of COVID, we're starting to see families coming back to school full time. I don't think we've ever really had that kind of uh, start to the school year before. So there are going to be a lot of questions this year, a lot of different um, supports that families are looking for and looking toward. So joining me today, I have four of the smartest, most incredible people in our school district that provide amazing supports for kids. Uh, So I have uh, Laura Schultz, who is a counselor with us. Hello. And you're at Joe Hamilton, Laura. Yep. And you also oversee a a pretty sizable grant too, right? Yeah, it's a mental health demonstration grant. And so you work with a lot of folks at some of the other sites? Yes, yes. We have some social worker interns that are up here. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And Jen Eames, school psychologist. Hello. How are you, Jen? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Luana Pennington, our school nurse. Hello. And Vonnie Genou, our reading intervention specialist. Hello. And Luana is in charge, basically, of nursing services throughout the district. And Vonnie, you're at four school sites now? Yes, Joe Hamilton, Pine Grove, Redwood, and Smith River. All right. So um, a lot of diversity here, from from health to academics to counseling um, and then uh, special education. So... Laura, tell us a little bit about what counseling does uh, in our schools, because, you know, a lot of people, I think, have different ideas because uh, counseling at one school may be very social, emotional counseling in another school may be very academic. So overall, what what does a school counselor do? Right. Well, I think I can speak mostly to the elementary mm-hmm. school counselors, but um, and we do have probably the most um, resources we've had since I can remember being here between counselors and counseling techs. But basically, uh, elementary school counselor, we service kids through tier one, tier two, and tier three. So that would be where the counselor would be going into the classrooms, or in my case, the classes come to me, Mm -hmm. and we offer them some sort of social-emotional counseling or um, classroom guidance. So that could be anything from regulation skills to friendship skills Um, we do different activities with the kids Um, I know we're starting out with um, some sources of strength in elementary this year and then from there if a student might need some more services there's the tier two services which would be the group counseling or group activities and that's usually done through a referral process Um, it could be through the teacher or uh, the parents might ask or even the student can self-refer and a lot of schools also have tier two teams right yes yeah yeah where they're looking for ways to help students so just if, if anybody's wondering what the uh, tiered services are that Laura's talking about, if you think about a pyramid, you think about it cut into three slices. Tier one is what every child gets, whether that's academic, uh, behaviorally, social, emotionally, um, uh, or health-wise. Tier two is a smaller group. 
Um, they just need a little bit more support, whatever that looks like. And then tier three is much more individualized. And so I think the really important piece as we move to gen, um, is a lot of people think special education is tier three and it is not right. Um, tier three is still that individualized service within a classroom, but you work with, uh, pretty heavily with, with the special education department, but not only. So tell me a little bit about what a school psychologist does. And it's interesting because a school psych is really the entry point for special education. Absolutely. So all school psychs are part of the school team. And we love when we get to be involved in tier one, tier two, just be part of the school environment. And so all schools have different levels of intervention. There's so many things available before you would get to special education referral or services. Um, Laura mentioned counseling. That's one of the services that are available in the different tiers. There's small group instruction. There's intervention in the form of like an academic Maybe they need extra reading instruction, maybe extra instruction in math. There's just so many things that you can do before you would get to that outside of the pyramid special education. Right. Well, and I think that kind of flips us over to Vanya because Vanya, she mentioned reading instruction. Um, And what you and, and the folks you work with do isn't really tier one because that happens in a classroom. So you're really tier two and tier three. And so what do your services look like? So we pull together small groups to teach reading to students who are having difficulty, especially with phonics and fluency. We use iReady as kind of the baseline to look to see, are they having those difficulties? And then from there, we take those students, we assess them a little further and see if reading intervention will really work for them. And of course, we always um, take teacher recommendation when they are seeing that there might be an issue as well. And I think the interesting thing there, too, is, you know, we all, we talk a lot about reading intervention, but there's two different levels of what reading is, right? So for some of our families out there, my child has trouble reading grade level text. Well, that's really a grade level content piece versus a reading skills piece. And I think you and your, your team really work with reading skills. Yes. Right. We definitely work on the phonics. Uh, we have a program called Reading Horizons, which is great for students who maybe struggle with dyslexia because it has a marking system and it really breaks down all the way back down to the sounds of the letters and then builds up from there. That's great. And so lastly, but not least, Luana, um, we, we also have health supports because you work with everything from just doing some basic um, health outreach because you do, you do different screenings. Um, all the way up to individualized health plans and even working with Jen and, and her colleagues at times with students who have health needs that are so severe or that they require individualized education plans. Right. So we have um, myself and one other um, school nurse um, that work um, throughout the whole district. And then we have um, this year we have four full time LVNs and a part time LVN that we get to put out at the school sites for students that have um, medical needs um, that need services throughout the day. And so we, um, you know, provide um, diabetic care as as care for students with asthma. Um, If medications are needed during the school hour, um, those medications are given. And then, like you said, for IEP services, we help to write um, individualized health plans if needed. 
then if we have students with healthcare needs, um, the LVNs will be at the school sites. We also have a health assistant at one of our school sites as well um, to help cover medications and health needs throughout the day. Uh, we also do all of the hearing and vision screens throughout the district. Um, it can be if a, if a parent has um, a concern, a teacher has a concern, or there are um, IEP students um, every uh, initially and annually or um, Every three years, we do um, hearing and vision screens for all of those students. So, yeah. So, you know, we have a lot of parents that when they start the year, they think, "I, I don't know." You know, I, I think my child needs whatever that may be, right? Um, counseling, testing, reading. Maybe there's something that my doctor had said at a wellness visit. What, what, what advice would you give to a, to a, a family? So for health services, having them fill out, there's a health information request sheet. That is super important, having that um, filled out um, for students to so that we know what health needs there are when they come into the district. Um, mm -hmm. We put those, uh, the secretaries will put that into ARIES, let us know what those health needs are so that we can contact parents to find out what um where do we go from there? Do we need right. to get orders from a doctor? Do we need to contact their provider and then, or just uh, contact the parents to get a, a plan started for these students? Right. I would say be proactive. If you really have a concern about your child's reading and you're noticing that they can't read the homework that's coming home, books that are being provided, then reach out to the classroom teacher who can then forward that information to me and we can also look at the iReady scores as they come in. And I would encourage you to do the same. Look at the phonics category. Are they passing phonics? If not, that might be a real sign that they would be a good candidate for reading support. Well, and I think, too, you know, one of the things that you and I have talked about, Vanya, is sometimes you found students who need those glasses, you know, and, and they need to be screened. And it, it may not have been found for a couple of years. Absolutely. So, and the same thing with hearing, right? So I don't know if I've told you all this, but we're right now working with UCSF and they're going to be starting with us here in a couple of months. Um, and they're going to be doing universal, I think it's K1 dyslexia screeners. It's going to be pretty cool, right, Jen? Yeah, absolutely. I did yeah, not know all, that. All of a sudden, her eyes, she's, I know. she's like, wait, this can't, when this is over, we need to talk. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> So, you know, and I know you get a lot of the questions, too, from families that say, you know, my kid is really far behind. I think they need to be in special education. But you and I were talking. That's not really the first step. No. Yeah. Every school side has a team. C communication is so important. I tell parents all the time, if you have any concern of your for your child, whether that be social, emotional, academic, or maybe something happened over the weekend in your family, something where you're worried about your child's functioning at school, just every school site has an SST, which is a student study team. And I sit on there at my school sites. You have counselors, principal, 
teacher and parent and we sit and we listen and we look through those scores like Vanya mentioned. We look at the iReady scores, we bring data into the meeting and we come up with some strategies on mm-hmm. how we can support that student as a team. And it's not just a one off. The, the cool thing about those SSTs are here's what we're all going to do. And a lot of times there are connections to home. In the classroom, maybe outside the classroom, you know, Flora gets involved in some more um, social emotional um, uh, resources like SOS or whatever that is. Um, but uh, then there's the follow up and the follow ups really probably as important, if not more so than the initial, because in that follow up, we know if it worked. Yeah, we set a follow up date. We put some strategies into place, whatever that may be, after school. Maybe Mm -hmm. they're doing some groups after school. Maybe we've referred them to Vanya's group. Maybe they're doing a social skill group like Laura mentioned. And then usually we tend to follow up in about eight weeks. We set that date right there so we can see if we're making a difference or there's some change. Right. And and Laura, you know, Jenna just talked about, excuse me, both a... uh, maybe some long-term concerns versus some short-term concerns. So what, again, what, what should parents know about reaching out to a school counselor? I would just say do it. If you have any concerns, um, you can email, call. And I mean, and it could be something, it's just good if we have the information because it could be something like, you know, maybe a pet, a beloved pet died and, but we don't know that and the child's acting differently. And so mm-hmm. if we have that communication, then we can you know, offer extra support, have eyes on them. I know especially at the beginning of the year, we're out a lot like on the playground at lunchtime, you know, just kind of checking in with kids. Right. I, I've been at the school for a number of years, so I know a lot of the students, but today I was able to introduce myself to a bunch of kiddos that were new because I recognized that I, you know, hadn't seen them before and then could touch base with kids that, you know, just checking in with them about how their summer went, but just reach out, whether it be a phone call or an email, and it can be to the counselor, principal, teacher. So really for everybody, it just really boils down to communication. Yeah. Right. I mean, families, I, what I'm hearing is just don't wait until your child is failing. Contact somebody when you have a concern. So when this is going to be hard because I know it's different in every case, but when should a parent actually have that concern? What, what, what's a, when you think about what each one of you do, what's a really key piece when you say, okay, um, maybe, maybe, you know, speedy, my pet turtle got run over this weekend or, um, you know, or my child has allergies, you know, those are some things we might want to reach out and say, Hey, can, can you help me with this? You know, this is just something small. When should a parent go, wow, this is something I need to take care of right now. What, what are some indicators from your perspectives that would maybe trigger that, that more immediate response? And that's a hard question, right? Because everything varies so much. Well, as far as reading goes, I think, again, if they are really struggling to decode even small words, and we start, we service third through fifth graders. So definitely third grade. If they're starting to get where they can't keep up, they can't decode the words, Mm -hmm. they're having trouble with digraphs and all those, you know, little small chunks in a word, then that is something to definitely be concerned and and reach out. And if you're noticing that they aren't passing certain categories on iReady, especially phonics, that would be definitely our department. So, well, just really quickly, just so 
if any families, you know, are listening to this, you actually can access your child's CASP scores. uh, And that stands for the California Assessment of Student Proficiency and Progress or something like that. Anyway, um, you can get onto your child's ARIES account. Uh, The CASP scores are there along with other information if you haven't done that, because attendance is a biggie too, right? If your child has major attendance issues, those attendance issues may be indicative of, of like Vonnie was talking about, academic needs or, or social emotional needs or maybe even health issues that are starting to creep up that are affecting um, school attendance. So that's all there. And you can get to all of that uh, by going to dnusd.org um, slash family resources, going to our homepage, whatever that is, and, and find out more about that. Um, but what are some other real critical things that you would look for uh, in each of your areas to say, wow, I need to contact my, my child's principal or their teacher today? One of the things that comes to mind is when homework is taking significantly long and it's causing big battles with parent and Mm -hmm. child difficulty sleeping not wanting to go to school those are things i would hear in that student study team meeting where there's something definitely going wrong that we as a as a school environment and the parent and the child need to figure out how we can support them that's a big one right and so for us sometimes it's um you know people want to keep health stuff private a lot of times so they don't want to let you know that the child's been hospitalized or or started taking new medications. But sometimes when a student is on a medication, there are side effects that happen from those medications. Mm-hmm. And just letting the teacher know or the principal know that there may be some behavior changes or something from some of those medications um, and to let people know. And of course, obviously, if there are hospitalizations, that can affect um, right their uh, attendance at school and some of that kind of stuff. So just kind of keeping the school up to date on any medical stuff that's going on. I was thinking too what you said, Jen, if a student is not wanting to come to school all of a sudden or wanting to go home. Mm -hmm. Also, um, if the duration, like maybe something happened and so it'd be expected that they would have difficulty sleeping for, you know, a few days or a week. But if it continues on, then that would be something to look at too. Right. No, well, and, you know, I think as as you kind of go down these roads, you – a lot of times what we'll see with students is we also see these kind of um, uh, hills and troughs where everything is fine and then the bottom can fall out and everything is fine again. And again, it goes back to, I think, that communications piece, because for families, what's going on at school? You know, I, when I when I taught middle school, when I was a middle school principal, we would notice some of these patterns of behavior sometime in a student where they were um, always sick right after lunch. Right. They didn't feel well after lunch. Then you start going back and looking at it. And that may be when math class happened or that may be when they were in the class with that other child that they were having behavioral issues with or whatever. And so really kind of digging into that, I think, can really help. But it's looking for those key pieces. And that's one of the good things that our LVNs get to um, be a part of. And of course, our health assistants this year is seeing those patterns. When does that kid come into the nurse's office? Um, What time is it? Is it always after lunch or during recess or the the times that they're they're coming in? And so being a part of that and, and touching base with the teachers sometimes and just uh, kind of getting an idea of what's going on with the student yeah. is helpful for them. 
Well, and, and there are a few other things that are out there too, right? So if we, if we really start to see um, students that are struggling, gen, that the SST piece is critical, right? I mean, reaching out to the teacher first, reaching out to the, to the nursing staff or counselor first for what we called earlier that tier one piece is, is really the first step. The second piece is that SST because then we're trying things. We're saying, here's, here's a service, here's a support. Um, but ultimately, if we get to the point where we find a, um, what, what could be considered a, a, a disability or a health issue or something that is, you know, I think pretty significantly interfering, then we can look at something called a 504, which is um, Section 504 of the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1973, 73, 74, somewhere 70s. there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but that's a really interesting uh, thing, too, because if there is a disability, history of a disability, um, or the perception of a disability by uh, a qualified person, um, then your child could actually benefit from a plan that helps to accommodate uh, whatever that, that need is really for the rest of their life because that's part of the Americans with Disabilities Act, which means they can carry that with them as long as they need it. And then ultimately, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, once we've exhausted all of those other pieces, um, unless it's a, a really extreme issue, then we can roll into looking at, you know, do they really qualify for the for the individualized education plan? Because that may be that that next step that they need to move forward. And, um, you know, it's really interesting, too, because we talk about social emotional, we talk about difficulty reading, we talk about health and and special education. A lot of times um, what I've also seen and that we're kind of coming to the end. So just kind of weigh in on this. We'll also see students that are just. At, at times, they're not overwhelmed. They may just be bored, right? Because you may have uh, a student who is really able to do so much more, but then the behaviors start or or there's a lack of performance because they're just not as engaged as they could be. Um, any Any ideas on how to help a parent with that? And again, that's a hard question because that a lot of times parents think there's a problem, but well, it may not be. For me, being the health piece of it, sometimes it might just be a vision issue yeah. and they can't, you know, they need to have their, their vision checked or hearing. Um, so they're not engaged because they can't see the board in class or they're not able to see what's in front of them. So they, they do need to have their vision checked and it can be preschool age having vision checked up yep. to middle school, high school, because, you know, during those middle school years uh, with with hormone changes, sometimes it can affect um, vision. So all throughout, that's why we do kinder, second, fifth and or sixth, a fifth and eighth grade um, for vision, you know, and, and hearing we also add 10th grade in there. So but if there are teachers feeling like there's a student with a, a vision issue in class, making sure they get a referral to us. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for the parents. They can also refer students outside of those ages in, at any time. That's when mine were diagnosed. I got my first set of glasses in eighth grade because I couldn't see the board in math class. Mm -hmm. So any other any other tips or tricks for parents as we roll in? We're right at the end of our time. What anything else that you'd want families to know? No, if you have a question, please reach out. Or if you have a concern, please reach out to your to your school team. We're all here for students. 
and medical questions, they can always call our health services office as well. All right. Well, you know what? I want to thank the four of you. This, I, I know that this was a very short conversation about a lot of complex issues, and this doesn't, I was going to say, doesn't even scratch the surface. I don't even think it begins to touch the surface, much less scratch it, because they're so, with each child, it's a different set of circumstances. Uh, but thank you for the time. Uh, if you have any questions, if for those of you listening to the podcast, reach out to your child's school. Remember, communicate, communicate, communicate. I don't think there's any such thing as over-communication. Um, and then, like Luana said, um, you can get to the health services, but you can also get to all of our staff at dnusd.org. Uh, you can also call the district office at 464-6141, and we can make sure that we pass you to the right folks. Um, but at the end of the day, our job is to help your child be as successful as they can be. So... Laura, Jen, Luana, Vanya, thank you for joining me. And I hope you guys have had a great start to your school year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.